This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The biggest award show of the year. It's the Balance of Power Roundtable Awards, the Boppies. And we are doing part two of our show right now. Broadcast on WKXL, available wherever you get your podcasts, available as a video on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. I'm Matt Robeson, your host, with our panel of former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant Alicia Preston. Oh, that was a mouthful, but I am a little bit breathless because this is such an exciting show. We're having a great time in the first part of the show. We covered fantastic mm-hmm. categories like most valuable player on the Democratic side, most valuable player on the Republican side, best achievement in legislation. I know that sounds dull, but actually it was a fascinating conversation. And the big one, new story of the year. We just finished getting through all of that. Missed it? Find it on podcast. We're available wherever you get your podcast. But let's get into our next category. And this is a fun one. It's one we do every year. And we always have fun doing a little bit of research to prep it. This time, rather than pulling from all kinds of places around the internet, We went to our friends at Pew Research, who did some helpful prep for us. They rounded up the public opinion research findings, basically polling findings of the year. I'm not talking about horse race polls of of, uh, things that that are long done at this point. I'm talking about what people think and what their opinions are and what their experiences in life are. And they had some really fascinating findings. And I am going to let you know what they are, and then we will discuss which is the most interesting research finding of the year. All right, here we go. Number one, about four in 10 Americans say that none of their purchases in a typical week are paid for using cash, all right? 40% of Americans say they don't use cash at all. That's up from 29% in 2018. In just four years, we've gone up from 29% to almost 40, over 40%. Don't use cash. All right, that's number one. Number two, if recent trends continue, Christian could make up a minority of Americans by 2070. Merry Christmas. Number three, a growing share of adult TikTok users in the US are getting news on the platform. And that's significant because a third of adults who use TikTok say they regularly get news there from 22% two years ago. It's down for other forms of social media. Maybe that's a good thing. The share of adult Facebook users who regularly get their news there has declined from 54% in 2020 to just 44% this year. Still too darn high. Here's the next one. Relatively few Americans take an absolutist view on the legality of abortion. 71% say it should either be mostly legal mostly illegal, but say there are exceptions. All right, rolling on, nearly half of U.S. teens now say they use the internet almost constantly. That's roughly doubled since 2014. That's interesting. That's a little depressing. Two more. The share of aggregate U.S. household income held by the middle class has fallen steadily in the last 50 years. Boy, that's a depressing one. And finally, here's the most depressing one of all, and really on point for this show. Growing shares of both Republicans and Democrats 
say that members of the other party are more immoral, dishonest, and close-minded than any other Americans. 72% of Republicans regard Democrats as more immoral than other Americans, and 63% of Democrats say the same thing about Republicans. That is a lot of stuff. All right, guys, what is the most interesting public opinion research story of the year? Only one of these surprises me, and I'll get to that in a second. Of course, people aren't using cash. Why? They don't have anything. They're buying on credit. That was a survey from July. Inflation was high. They're buying stuff on credit because they don't have cash. I happen to be someone- Oh, you can go to an ATM. That's BS. But they don't. What? No, they're doing you know it on credit. Only and an I- immoral and dishonest Republican would uh-huh. say that. Uh, Obviously. Eggs are 45 cents a piece. 45 Her cents? Eggs. And, That's and, a 450%. And, and, and your president should be got, shot out of a cannon. You've got to pull out your credit card to, to buy eggs these days. Who I has can't enough even cash egg someone's to buy house. Eggs? I can't afford it anymore. Look, I don't know if you guys are part of that share of the aggregate U.S. household income held by the middle class has fallen steadily because we become a two-class society. You might be in one of those. I'm in the other, and my 45-cent eggs bother me. Right, that if being someone said, eggs your house, though, it wasn't me. I can't afford that. I'm not surprised by that one either. The recent trend, Christians could make up a minority of Americans by 2070. That one saddens me, and here's why. Although I'm not surprised, not because it's Christians, whether it's Jews or Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims or Christians or whatever. I think we're losing religion in America. I don't think we're There's putting- There's a rock and roll song in that. Oh, yeah. Losing my religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true, and I think I personally am a Christian who believes in a higher power. I think it, whatever your religion is, it helps teach you- morals and community and consistency and i think we're losing it and so that one saddens me although it doesn't surprise me the abortion issue i think that's right i'm pro-life i've said it repeatedly but not from the point of conception and i'm open to a conversation because i don't have an opinion yet of where the rights of the mother cease to the rights of the child i don't have that line yet so i think that's a good thing because it can open a conversation none of it is i've got a teenager i'm not surprised she's using the internet almost constantly the one that surprises me is that a third of adult TikTok users get their news from TikTok. First of all, there should be no adults on TikTok. You just shouldn't be on there. It's weird. It's stupid. It's what dumb. T- what is TikTok? It's this stupid thing. You get up and you like mimic songs and say it, it's really for like teenagers. And if you're an adult and you're on TikTok, there's something wrong with you to begin with. If you get news from TikTok, there's something really wrong with you to begin with. And that one surprises me because I just, every time I find out how many stupid people there are, it bothers me. Wait, hold on. Was that rude? TikTok is the sound that clocks make. Make the case to me that getting your news from TikTok is worse than getting your news from Facebook. Go. Or WKXL. Or Getting your news from Balance of Power. Come on. Here's my case, because on Facebook, there are actual news stories from legitimate news sources that are shared on Facebook. On TikTok, there are 14-year-old girls dressed inappropriately lip-singing to songs to share with the cute boy in their ninth grade class. It's creepy. It is not where you get news. It is where all adults should stay away. On the other hand, we've established pretty definitively that Facebook, in the midst of having some real news stories, also has a lot of Crap written by mm-hmm. Romanian hackers. I'm not making right. that up, by the way. The, a lot of this was apparently there was a cottage industry of writing like pro-Trump troll material in Romania. I Anyway, here's the interesting thing. It's always dangerous, which is probably a good thing for a show like this, to talk about religion and spirituality. But we're a country that is a... 
Not exactly. I've never called it a melting pot so much as now a patchwork quilt. And the reason I talk about a patchwork quilt is I wrote a song a while ago about the the country as a patchwork quilt, ragged at the seams, stitched with love and hope and care. Did you bite that off of Dolly Parton's coat of many colors? No, I really did write the song. Anyway, and the reason it is because we are a nation where many people keep their identities of various cultural identities or ethnic identities and are stitched together. A melting pot describes kind of a gumbo-like stew where everybody gives up everything and becomes an American. We have a hard time with that. But I digress because spirituality and yeah, religion lost you somewhere around I am I'm making a point spirituality and religion are quite different religion the organized practice of spirituality is different than actually the spirituality that underlies all religions I believe ultimately we are one humanity facing all the struggles that that we face and in our nation organized religion has been on a or the practice of organized religion has been on a slow decline for a long time and it's not particularly surprising, but still it really catches you up to say that, to hear the research about the change in in religion. My For myself, it's interesting. I'm what I call a delicatessen Jew. In other words, I'm culturally Jewish. I'm originally from New York City, where everybody eats pastrami, and nobody outside mm. the rest of the country knows about pastrami. pastrami anymore. Delicatessens are disappearing, but I'm still a delicatessen Jew. And but can you afford to proper... get eggs? They don't, no, sell egg. they don't sell eggs there. What's but... the proper bread to put a delicatessen Jewish pastrami sandwich on? Right. If you say rye, you're wrong. No, I think I say it's right, but yeah, rye is go, disgusting. I Max love pastrami say, on rye. It's, mm. it's, it's rye. mustard. But here's the interesting thing about the fact uh, the religion, the change in practicing religion. My son, the fabulous Max Hodes, is 39 years old, no. and he is no, he's not. He's 39 years old, and he is beginning to be fascinated by and explore his Jewish roots. He bought himself a menorah. He's put it in his window in Oakland, California, because he says it, and he wants to learn a lot more. I jokingly said, you should become a rabbi. He said, well, that's an interesting idea. And he is really, he said, I'm ready, to con- I'm ready to convert because it gives me a sense of community. It gives me a sense of roots in a time when things are so chaotic. And I'm paraphrasing. He said it much more eloquently than I did. It strikes me that even though the research is about Christianity and whether or not we're going to become a Christian nation, I've raised the issue of the practice of religion and spirituality on a broader sense in the country. Overall, I think spirit under feeling a feeling something about the greater spirit that binds us all as humans, binds all things, and is the creative force is important in a life, and it's important in America. If more of us acted from true spiritual principles, I think a lot of the chaos we're experiencing could be ameliorated. I think people would be guided by better values and stronger values, understanding that. So to that extent, I think that I'm hoping that if the practice of Christianity is declining in this country, I'm hoping that the adherence to true spiritual values are on the rise. I think you're right to connect those two stories, the decrease in self-identifying Christians. And what you're seeing there in that trend is 
Well, there's an overall decrease in people identifying with any religious affiliation at all. Right. I think you're right to connect that to the number of kids who say, teenagers who say that they're constantly online, about half of teenagers say they are constantly online. It feels like a substitution of one for the other and not necessarily a healthy one. I think it's interesting that Max, who I've known for many years now, is suddenly so interested. Tell him that it's possible to have, you don't have to be cloistered to be a religious leader. My rabbi is, he raises bees, he raises livestock, he's a fantastic hockey player. He's rabbi on ice. It reminds me of history of the world part one. See Hitler on ice. This is like the opposite. He's like a fabulous ice skater. It's, I think it it raises the point that it's possible and probably necessary to have a rich and full life that has a spiritual component in it. And it, I'm with you, Alicia. I think it's a bummer. I'm not a Christian, but I think it's a bummer that people are potentially not just losing that aspect of that part of their lives and that part of American life, but substituting it with something as vapid as TikTok or use of the internet. And we're seeing it among teenagers. And we know from Francis Haugen, the Facebook whistleblower, we blew over from, from last year, we know that this is having a really negative effect on teen mental health. We just did a show with John Broderick, the former chief justice of the New Hampshire Supreme Court, who's made it a quest to address the mental health crisis in young people. I think all of this is connected. The fact that people don't feel a higher sense of place in the universe, this is some highfalutin stuff I'm saying here, but like the fact that they've lost that kind of tent pole of their identity and they've replaced it with a lot of vapid online stuff And the fact that we're having a mental health crisis among teenagers, probably all this stuff goes together. I'm not a sociologist, but that's my gut feeling. My vote in this category would probably be the teens constantly online, but I think it's connected to the other news. And I agree with everything both of you said, but here's the other thing that's replacing religion. And that's the last category you mentioned, politics, which is just dumbfounding to me. That's true. You look at the divisiveness and Republicans hate Democrats and Democrats hate Republicans for being on different political parties. That is such a strange concept to me. I said before, I grew up in a household with a mom who was a Republican congregationalist from Hampton, New Hampshire, and a father who was a Democrat Catholic from Lowell, Massachusetts. You couldn't get any more different. And yet those were my parents. Nowadays, those people are being told they should despise each other. And I think a higher power, whether it's I'm a Christian, whether it's Christ or God or whatever anyone believes in, I agree with you, Paul. I believe it's all one thing we practice differently. I think if you feel it more, you pay attention to it more, you're not going to hate as much. Hate Mm. does, it does help you not hate. And I think we see that. And there's a lot of hate out there for really wrong reasons like politics. And so that's one of the reasons that one made me sad. Right. Can't we get back to hating each other for race and religion? Something else. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. No, it is true. Look, we're not trying to be Pollyannish about the history. It's not like we were all linked arm in arm, Christians and Jews and Muslims throughout history. But it is an interesting point. My father, my stepmother and my father have, had an interracial marriage. I am part of a an interfaith marriage. My wife is Christian. I'm Jewish. These are things that were barriers in earlier times that are not barriers for people today. And this category is the most interesting public op- opinion research finding of the year. This is a few years back, but Pew also has found that people object much more strongly 
to an interpartisan marriage these days than an interracial marriage. Now, oh my look, goodness. Well, there's some so good bizarre. news here, that's which crazy. is we've moved on from seeing race as a barrier to love. So that's great. That's good. That's good. Yeah, news. Give and take, I good guess, news right? here is you are, you would be more shocked a Democrat marrying a Republican. And we know lots of these folks, right? Our frequent guest on the show, Michaeline Kroll. She was Bernie Sanders chief of staff. Okay. She is not a centrist even. She is a liberal Democrat. Her husband's a Republican, right? So well, who's the famous one? Mary Matlin and the guy James who's Carville. Said, James yes, Carville, right? James Carville. Yeah, but they're both nuts. They are now. They weren't I mean, really I, I'm when actually they were... kind of fond of them, but they're pretty nutty. Anyway, that's just shocking. So I, it sounds like we are agreeing on this category that the most interesting, we're going off book here and we're saying it's a confluence of several of these things. It's, it's weird. It's like we're giving up any kind of unifying sense of higher spirituality and we're replacing it with, with more TikTok dances. So that's, oh. wow. All right. What a bummer. Let's move on. I'm Thanks so bummed a lot, out Matt. right now. Yeah. That's, hey, oh, here's what we're going to do. Oh, this is fantastic. Are you we're trying to make my Christmas unhappy because you're putting a war on Christmas? Yes. Take that in your, oh my God. Oh, do you know when Weird Al Yankovic last year did his parody thing online where you remember the controversy over Starbucks cups where Fox News was like, their corporate logo, it looks like. It's a pagan symbol. It's part of the war on Christmas. And then Weird Al Yankovic did this thing where he puts a Starbucks cup that just said, hail Satan. And he's like, all right, now you've gone too far. I'm going to start off our next category. This is a fun one. This isn't just for nerds, although it sounds like it is. This is the most interesting science and technology story because it's a wide world out there. It's not all just politics. All right, here we go. Number one, nominee number one, the DART and Orion missions. Space, number two. Artificial intelligence. We have a number of breakthroughs. The first successful applications of artificial intelligence to identify new antibiotics. We have image generation tools. I use them myself that can create art that looks like it was created by humans. And now this chat GPT, which creates incredibly human-like essays and chats, we're able to create very realistic art, writing, and even new antibiotics using artificial intelligence, all fun until Skynet becomes self-aware and kills us all. Gene therapies. This is this is really interesting one. Good news stories with about children with severe genetic conditions receiving treatment. One girl's therapy allowed her to walk and talk for the first time. Children who would have previously died at an early age can now expect typical life expectancies because of gene therapies. That's a remarkable one. How about fusion? Drumbeat of progress on fusion power culminated in a recent announcement just, just a week ago that researchers had finally achieved a major breakthrough in fusion that may change the whole way we do energy on planet Earth in the decades to come. And then we've got the very nature of reality itself. Physicists have announced that our whole working model of how the universe works and all the particles that make up the universe may have to be redone when they discovered, all right, this is weedy here, people, but a fundamental particle, the W boson, is not what physicists thought it would be. And therefore, their whole model may be crap, is basically what they're saying. Their whole understanding of how reality works may be wrong. We may have to redo it from scratch. Finally, we've got the James Webb Space Telescope Need I say more? I do need to say more. We're seeing the earliest stars, the earliest galaxies. We're seeing, we're able to see the atmospheres of planets. We're seeing incredible stuff, our whole understanding of the wider universe changing before our eyes. All right, most interesting 
tech and science story of the evening. Matt, you are such a you are such a nerd. I am I mean, a nerd. You, you, you are, are a nerd. Dude. You I'm are a, a, I'm a nerd. You, you are a total nerd because most people don't really even think about any of these things. They read the headlines and go, "Oh, that's interesting," but eggs are forty five cents. They just don't. They, they, most people don't relate to how important some of these things are. I will weigh in and say that they're all fascinating stories. Science and technology are, are changing at an exponential rate. And there are two stories that you've mentioned that, for me, are the top two, Though, and it's hard for me to decide between them. The first is fusion, because the fact that any progress has been made on what really is a mythical idea that you can get more energy out of the process than you put in has huge implications for the future energy needs and generation for all of humanity. Absolutely critical, unbelievable stuff. We're decades away, but it's just groundbreaking. And the second is the Space Telescope. The James Webb Space Telescope is a staggering human achievement. I was out last night looking up at the stars and I could see Mars blinking slightly red. And I think it was Venus I saw sparkling in the sky. And there was Orion's belt. And I was going to pull out my phone and look at the astronomy program that allows you to hold up your phone and figure out the night sky. And then I was thinking to myself, they look like these little pinpricks of light, and they always have looked like little pinpricks of light to all the people. But the James Webb Telescope shows us back to the beginning of time, these incredible pictures of the universe. And I don't know what it all means. and I don't know where it's all going, but man, those pictures are staggering. And the implications for thinking about the beginning of all things and the beginning of the universe are unparalleled. So for me, it's fusion and web that are tied for most staggering technological or scientific implications for 2022. Yeah, I'm a little conflicted too. Look, I love all things space. I have since I was a child. I'm a junkie for it. I love the missions we're on. I love the images that are coming back. It's fascinating to me. It does make you think about something bigger. It does make you think we can't be alone in the universe. And so I, I think those advancements are great to open our eyes. The AI stuff, look, AI creeps me out. So I just make believe it doesn't exist because they're going to take over the world one day. It's going to be like Matrix. And maybe that's what it is now. Maybe that's the reality that we're not living in that these physicists want to figure out, which by the way, I like that story because when my husband tells me, usually when I want to go shopping, that I live in an alternate reality, I can be like, you're right. Physicists say so. My reality could be the reality. So I like that one. My favorite one, though, is I'm going to fusion's my second favorite. I think that's fantastic. I think that's huge for the future. But the gene therapy, because these kind of gene therapies, which are new, lead to so many other places. They're looking at using them in studies for cancer patients, for people with genetic disorders is what this was for. And the medical advancement that can come from this to cure existing diseases or even prevent some, while maybe it's playing God a little bit, particularly when it comes with children two children, I'm all for it. And I think that's a huge advancement. I think they're all very strong nominees. My sense is, look, particle physicists are always futzing with the standard model of the universe. So that's that one's sort of a TBD. I love the James Webb stuff. Love it. We had the lead project scientist for the James Webb Telescope on this show earlier this year. Check it out if you haven't heard that podcast. Uh, that was absolutely amazing. The dude won the Nobel Prize in physics, okay? It was it was just, that was an amazing conversation. I'm 
a huge fan. I ha- I'm going to go with the standard here of what are we going to remember most in a decade? And I think, Alicia, you could be onto it. Gene therapies, especially CRISPR-enabled gene therapies, where we're able to go in and do direct editing of people's genes, could be that. Although I don't think this year there were particular breakthroughs that stand out from the last two or three years. So I'm moving that one a little bit down my list. Obviously love the DART and Orion missions. Look, if a comet is heading for Earth, the DART mission could be the most important science story of this year because that could be the way Armageddon style we save humanity. That's a strong contender. To me, it's either the AI or the fusion. AI could be a tool that changes the whole nature of our existence, the way we live our lives. Talk about teens being on the internet half of the time. AI could be a whole new ball game in that regard. It could fundamentally alter our society in all kinds of ways, not all of them good. So that could be it. At the end of the day, I probably lean toward think the breakthrough that we had last week suggests that really could be on the way to large-scale fusion technology. It would change the economics of all of our societies, the nature of life on planet Earth, essentially boundless, cheap, non-polluting energy at scale for the world. It's amazing to think of a world under those circumstances. And so for me, it's probably fusion, but boy, it's, it's a lot of great stuff to choose from. All right, let's do a fun one. We've had some stone cold bummers so far on this show. So let's do some good news. This category is the best piece of good news in 2022. And I'm sorry, there's going to be a little reading involved here, but at least it's fun reading. It's all good stuff. All right, here we go. First nominee, the fee printed wartime school is going to be built in Ukraine since the Russian invasion. There have been over 2000 schools in Ukraine that have been damaged or destroyed, but There is a team for UA that has launched this initiative, which is going to build schools using 3D printers. Okay, number two, vaccines to treat cancer could be here before 2030, according to the founders of the German firm BioNTech, which was one of the two firms, along with Pfizer, that manufactured the COVID vaccines that we're all benefiting from. The professors behind that effort told the B that they had made some recent breakthroughs that could see a cure for cancer before the end of the decade. Wow. Number three, the number of people below the poverty line in India has been cut in half in the last 15 years. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot as a statistic, but that means that the number of people below the poverty line in India, and that is a low line in India, has dropped by 415 million, 415 million people, more than the entire U.S. population, have been lifted above the poverty line in India in the last 15 years. All right, number four. A baby received the world's first successful intestinal transplant. A 13-month-old Spanish baby girl called Emma received that treatment, heralding cures for countless other children. Here's another one. This is an environmental one. There's a new device that could reduce the shark bycatch by 90%. If you care about the health of global oceans, sharks, believe it or not, are actually super duper important for the health of our oceans. And the good news is that since 1970, the global numbers of ocean sharks and rays 
that have declined by 71%, we're going to be able to reverse this trend, they believe, because of a clever new device that should dramatically reduce how many sharks and rays we're catching, which means they will be available to see to the health of our oceans, be the top of the food chain, and terrorize swimmers. Okay, next, we have the first woman to referee a men's World Cup match. Stephanie Frappart from France made history as the first woman to referee a match when she refereed Costa Rica versus Germany on December 1st. Two more, Rolls-Royce and EasyJet have created a solution for the aviation industry that will dramatically change fuel usage. The first aircraft engine powered entirely by green hydrogen created by wind and tidal power. And finally, a 95-year-old woman, Angela Alvarez, is the oldest person to be nominated and to win in the category of Best New Artist at the Latin Grammys. All right, that is my roundup <laughs> of your good news of the year. <laughs> Have at it, folks. What made you feel best? Oh, man. A 95-year-old woman winning at the Grammys? That gives me hope. I've just released an album as Paul Hodes and the Blue Buddha Band. Um, Is it nominated for the Latin Grammys? Nominated (laughs) for the Latin Grammys. We're out there. We're going to be playing at the Capitol Center on January 28th. Shameless plug for old people rocking and rolling. So a 95-year-old woman who who is excelling in music at the Latin Grammys that makes me feel really good. I'm really happy that there are fewer people in poverty in India. That actually is pretty striking. That's a big number, 415 million people lifted above the poverty line in India where there's a lot of poverty is pretty striking. Those make me feel those make me feel very happy. I'd say those are tap dancing good news stories. There's a lot of good stories on here. They're all good. I love the cancer advancement for potential vaccines. I love the medical treatments. I am fascinated by the 3D school being built in Ukraine. So kudos to all these things. There's steps forward in many different categories, with one exception that I just don't care about because they're full of poop. And that is the first female referee. It wasn't just a female referee, mind you, it was a whole female referee crew in the World Cup because FIFA is full of it because they chose to have it in Qatar. And if they gave a damn about females and advancement and equality, they would not have given it to what is a terrorist regime if you are a woman in that country. So good for the ref. She did a good job. She's tiny on a field of those. She controlled it very well. Good for her. But FIFA, you're full of I love the way that Alicia just came in with that old sound effect thing. <laughs> like really harshed our buzz there, Alicia. I'm still mad about the World Cup and... FIFA, not the World Cup itself. It was yeah. the final game of the World Cup, by the way, was one of the greatest soccer games I've ever witnessed. That was some good news. That was not just one of the greatest soccer games. Is that in contention for the greatest single sporting event ever? People are talking about it. And let's not the backstories. Mbappe, who is the striker for France, and Messi, who's for Argentina, they play on the same team together in the same league. They're actually teammates. I mean, everything about this game, and it went to penalty shootout, it was a fantastic athletic match to watch. It was transcendent. It was absolutely amazing. You know what the worst part of that was? Was that I had to coach my daughter's basketball team. We we made the semifinals of the preseason tournament. Yeah. And so I was- Congratulations. Congratulations. I was going to watch the game on delay. That may be the good news story of the year. The whole, but then the whole world conspired to spoil the game. It's like people were like texting me. It's here's what happened. Here's what happened. I'm like, would you all just? I love you very much, and would you all sod off for a few minutes? And so once it got spoiled for me, 
I was working. I was multitasking. I wasn't really paying attention. And so, ah, I ruined it for myself. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to downgrade the cancer story just a little bit because we've heard this before. And I'd like to, I'd like to see more than just a BioNTech promise behind this. That's it. It is an awesome story. Hopefully it pans out. I've been to the India story. 415 million people who are less poor, who are not considered to be in poverty, even if they're juking the numbers because the Modi government wants a good news story. And it's half of that. 200 million people not in stifling poverty. That's amazing. That is absolutely incredible in terms of just like human well-being. That's a phenomenal story. That's my vote. All right. We are closing in. Final story. Oh, oh, wait, no, we've got a quick fun run here. Fun run. Biggest idiot. All right, here we go. Your nominees, Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Herschel Walker, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, since they all are right-wing nutjobs. Alicia, I think you wanted to put an AOC, right? I want to put AOC in there with her stupid right. dress and her stupid ethics investigation. She's on the list too. All right. AOC, you're on the list. Okay. Biggest idiot. Except for AOC, all of them. Maybe Vladimir Putin. But idiot is just too mild a word to describe the a modern, the today's version of Adolf Hitler. He really is the ultimate inhumane war criminal. So I hate to use strong language about it, but I don't. He is he's more than an idiot. And when it comes to an idiot, Donald Trump takes the cake. He is the idiot of all. He is our American idiot. I know I'm parroting Green Day a little bit, but Donald Trump Best is album in the last Amer 20 years. No our doubt. American, our American idiot. There you have it. Putin is the international idiot. Trump is the domestic idiot. I would tie all of them, except Vladimir Putin. I'll get to that in a minute. But including AOC, I would plan to tie all of them as the biggest idiot until until Donald Trump released his cards, his trading cards. I, I just, I can't wrap my head around the idiocy of that. And maybe he's not the idiot. Maybe the people who gave him 20 to buy said cards are actually the biggest idiots. Actually, no, I'm going to go with that. Can I add to the list? Yeah, they're the biggest idiots. You know what? The you people win. who bought those trading right. cards, biggest idiots. You're right. They're the biggest idiots. Sorry, my fellow Americans. I love you. You're part of our country, and that means we're part of a family. You know how you can diss your own brothers and sisters yeah. because they're part of the family. You're part of my American family, and I love you. You're an idiot. You're, you are idiots. You bought this stuff. But by the way, <sighs> listen, it's also we have the Blue Amp Channel version for sale. Check out our video. We have some amazing stuff. We have Donald Trump heroically drinking a glass of water and managing not to die. We have him amazingly soiling himself on a golf course. We have him kissing Vladimir Putin's boots. We have all kinds of great stuff. Check it out on Blue Amp. No, Alicia, you're, I was going to go with, I was going to go with Marjorie Taylor Greene and her whole butt plugs and dildos rant, but no, you're right. It's the people who bought the NFTs. All right. Okay. Final category. Who won <laughs> the year? Who won the year? I'll give you the nominee list, but you can feel free to go off book. Nancy Pelosi, outgoing as perhaps the greatest speaker in history. Leon, need, need we say more? Probably the greatest soccer player in history and wins the big one. Ron DeSantis, the next big thing in American politics, possibly future president. Vladimir Zelensky, Times Man of the Year. We've already talked about his leadership in Ukraine. Chuck Schumer, who we already said was instrumental in one of the most productive legislative sessions that will have more good to do with Americans' lives than perhaps any other Congress in history. And Joe Biden, 
We've already covered that. Who won the year? Vladimir Zelensky, hands down, for the reasons we said before, but also because to have his people unite and fight the way they're fighting and never give up and go against a giant, it's the will of the people, it's the love of their country, but you also need a leader hands down to those troops and to those families and brings them with him with the pride and the willingness to die and put yourself in great danger for the greater good. That's a leader and he will be remembered in history as such. It's hard to argue with that. It, it, I hate to agree with Alicia, but it's hard to argue with Volodymyr Zelensky, a comedian turned brave leader for all his faults that is it's been a remarkable example and i think but for zelensky's leadership the ukrainian people would not be as stalwart resolute in the midst of just suffering that should not happen in our world it should not happen and he has been he's been a rock and courageous leadership like that needs to be recognized and applauded i can't argue i can't argue i'd like to i really want to make a case for domestic politics that like if this were the up and comer, if this were rookie of the year, you'd say Ron DeSantis, that we might look back on the, on this year in a few years and say, this is where he separated himself and set himself on the path to destroying America. I, and the one I really want to make a case for, I'd love to, is Lionel Messi. Dang, like what a transcendent performance, even above Mbappe's performance. Just throughout- Mbappe got the hat trick though. Yeah, but didn't did Messi win the Ballon d'Or yet? He's gonna, right? He will. I, he will. Six goals, three assists. He, this World Cup started as such a downer of a soccer story. player. I'm just let me soccer just lay, player. Let me just lay out the Messi. I'm with Paul as a soccer fan. I'm still soccer with Paul. On player, no, 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 I'm not, of course, I'm going to pick Zelensky. I'm just laying out the Messi case that at the beginning of this World Cup, the biggest event on planet Earth the biggest sporting event, but also the biggest event, the biggest single event on planet Earth. People don't realize that. Is a f- and he is the star of stars. Worldwide, more people probably know Lionel Messi than know Zelensky. And it on the biggest stage, at the ap- absolute pinnacle of his profession and his career, the biggest stage in the world, he performed historically great and he will be remembered for all time. Our great-grandchildren will know the name Lionel Messi. All that said, they'll probably know Vladimir Zelensky as well. He clearly won the year. Don't have any truck with that. All right. We've got like 20 seconds left. Any final thoughts on the year for as we close out the boppies? I think I want to take that that category that said how much people dislike each other because of partisanship and urge us all to introspect a little bit coming into the new year. New year brings new life, new thoughts, new hopes, and say a little bit more love, a little less hate, particularly when it comes to politics. Amen. And this has been great. What a good year for balance of power. Lots of good news. It was a great year. It was absolutely a terrific year. Although we will, this show was fantastic. Thank you both. I agree with you both. This is one place where we don't have partisan hatred and vitriol, but nothing will surpass our Marjorie Taylor Greene butt plug and dildo episode. And on that wonderful thought, have a great year. You can find it wherever you watch your podcast, listen to your podcasts. (laughs) We will see you all next year.